Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to episode 101 of District of Conservation. This is your host, Gabriella Hoffman. District of Conservation is a project of CFACT. To learn more about CFACT, visit www.cfact.org. Today's guest is Jenny Anderson of Girl of 10,000 Lakes. Here's a little bit of Jenny's bio for your listening pleasure. Jenny is a former journalist turned content creator, and she primarily works for the state of Minnesota, creating videos for them. But her goal in the end is to eventually take this effort full time. She has garnered a lot of followers, especially on Instagram, and here's how she describes her biography. She's a former reporter and anchor, and she has been lucky to tell the stories of people from all walks of life. And Girl of 10,000 Lakes includes stories, tips, inspirational videos, and photos converged into one digital platform. She has a son and she and her husband are teaching their son about the great outdoors and an area she loves to frequent and she talks about at length is the boundary waters in minnesota and if you don't already follow her after listening to this i can assure you you are and yeah i think she is just an interesting newsmaker We work together in WSI Sports. We haven't met yet, but I have no doubt if I did officially make her acquaintance, we would become fast friends. Here is my conversation. Jenny, thank you so much for joining District of Conservation. Thanks for having me. I'm just so excited to be here. Likewise, it's really good to connect kind of beyond social media and, and through this type of medium because you have a very interesting story. I've seen a lot of people talk about your blog and we were connected through our mutual connection through WSI Sports since we do a little bit of work for them. But you have mm-hmm. a very interesting backstory. I think my listeners would love to hear more about it, kind of learn more about you, the woman behind the girl of 10,000 Lakes. So why don't you start off with how you got into the outdoors and what led you to create your blog? Okay, so um, unlike a lot of women and, and men and kids who get into the outdoors, I didn't have parents who were big outdoor buffs. So I didn't grow up hunting or fishing or hiking or really any of those things. Um, We dabbled in camping a little bit, but it was a very like outside experience for me. So later on in life, um, like after college, I started discovering my love for fishing and I met my husband who kind of introduced me to um, ice fishing. So that was kind of my first taste in getting into the outdoors. After that, it was just, I was totally hooked. Um, it opened the doors to, you know, open water fishing and then eventually bow hunting and gun hunting and boundary waters and other fun outdoorsy things. So now I feel like I'm totally into it. I'm teaching my own child how to love the outdoors and encouraging other women to do the same. So I think that's probably what makes my story unique is that you don't always need to 
grow up doing it or know how to do the outdoors to, to, to love it as much as I do today. That's very true. And a lot of people are kind of like you, they are not really kind of ingrained in it. And it's either a spouse or the people they surround themselves with who teach them how to do it. And it's really refreshing that people who are kind of removed from it are joining it like yourself. So that's a really good, good story. And you were a journalist previously before you started working for the state of Minnesota. Is that correct? I think I saw that. That's right. Yep. Yep. So I was a TV news journalist in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. I worked at the NBC affiliate there. So I did cover the outdoor beat while I was there, which was really my first taste into really getting outdoors. This is before I met Nick. So, I mean, they would send me out to, to do ice fishing stories or like um, water safety stories, hunting safety stories. So I would be out there trudging through the woods with hunters and anglers, you know, on the ice and <laughs> trying to figure out what is this, you know, what is this thing that we're doing right now? Why are we driving on the ice this seems dangerous you know so it was really just throwing myself out there and asking all of the questions that I needed to you know answer to know you know what this outdoor sport was all about so yeah I did tv news and I love the storytelling aspect of it and that's kind of what launched girl 10,000 lakes as well yeah, talk more about your blog because it's so aesthetically pleasing. You're always posting really cool outdoorsy stuff, especially winter posts. And you have just this uh, unique, uh, different kind of look into the outdoors because you are in the Midwest, especially Minnesota. And it's very different from what you see about people posting in the South or the mid- the other portions of the Midwest or even the West Coast or Northeast. So talk about kind of uh, what you post about at, at the blog. Yeah, so... I launched the blog as sort of a creative outlet for myself because I got out of the news industry and started working um, just regular videography. And I just missed that storytelling aspect of news and just informing people about, you know, something interesting. So for me, that was like outdoor stuff. I do it weekly, you know, um, every weekend we'd go out and do things. So I thought, why not blog about it and use the photography and videography and storytelling skills that I've learned in college and through my job and all that stuff. So I launched Girl 10,000 Lakes and I do a lot of content on um, experiencing the outdoors in Minnesota because that's where I'm from and the surrounding area as well as other places we've traveled to. But um, the point for me is to use visuals to inspire people or motivate them to try something new, whether it's going to the boundary waters or going um, going hunting, pheasant hunting for the first time. I've written about uh, living on a houseboat for a few days um, as you explore the Voyager National Park in Minnesota and Canada. So yeah, I think a lot of people find it as a resource to try something they've never tried before. Um, and so far, you know, I, I've had a really good response and it's something I want to keep doing and hopefully grow more and more. It's been kind of slow because I had, uh, my son is now one years old and he takes up a lot of time, as you can imagine. <laughs> but, but you get to share the outdoors with him now. That, that's true. Yeah, that is one perk is that he gets to come along with me and on a lot of our adventures and I get to expose him to the outdoors and hopefully he'll learn to love it one day right now it's just like oh how do we 
how do we, you know, do this and navigate something we used to do just by ourselves, just Nick and I, and now add a toddler into the picture. <laughs> right. And I think a lot of people are taking their kids hunting and fishing now. It's kind of a uh, in vogue thing to do. I don't know if you heard the statistic, but uh, women are now teaching their kids how to fish overwhelmingly. That's something I saw recently. So you're kind of a uh, part of that new group of women um, who may be new to the sport your, yourself. I mean, even within the last few years who are teaching their kids how to do it as well. I guess so. Yeah. I mean, that, that's my goal is, you know, it doesn't have to be dad who always teaches. Mom can teach too. And mom can love fishing more than dad sometimes, you know, <laughs> and you know, I, I hope that one day Harlan will be like, Hey mom, let's, let's go fishing. Let's take the boat out. And it's something we can do together. Absolutely. And talk about your journey into hunting. You kind of alluded to going pheasant hunting, but was that more difficult to try than fishing in your opinion? Yeah, I think it was, it was different because fishing feels very, very accessible because you really don't need a lot to do it. The, the gear is very affordable and cheap. A lot of times the gear can come free. If you're at like a state park, they'll provide it for you. Um, you just need a dock. You can have a public dock to do it. But for hunting, um, it, it, there are very affordable aspects of it. Like public land is a perk. Um, if you have a friend who already uh, has a bow or a gun, you know, that that's helpful as well. But it's something, you know, you need to take uh, gun safety and you need to, you know, just know about regular hunting safety and the regulations around it and where to go. And you definitely need guidance on how to do it right and um, the most efficient way. And I think that's kind of what was um, difficult for me to get into hunting at first. But I was able to get introduced to pheasant hunting when I went to the governor pheasant opener um, here in Minnesota the state really values the outdoors and um, the different aspects of it, like fishing and hunting. So we have these dedicated weekends where they kick off, you know, pheasant hunting weekends. So I got to do that and go with a group of ladies and um, try pheasant hunting for the first time. Actually, I went with a group of men. I, I met a bunch of ladies who like to pheasant hunt as well, but I went with a group of men and um, we all, you know, there weren't too many birds, but we each took a shot and, we came home with one pheasant. So I was pretty happy about that. That's awesome. That was kind of my first uh, successful hunting uh, target too. I, I got a rooster pheasant as well about three years ago, almost, well, yeah, about three years ago in December. And I think upland birds are probably the easiest uh, species to target if you're new, because some people go full Monty, they target like the big game species. And I'm like, that's a little too mm -hmm. ambitious <laughs> and a little intimidating. I totally agree. Definitely. And something about like, you know, if you're something about like the big animal aspect of it is intimidating, I think. And just it, it can be hard at first when you think about, you know, killing an animal. And, it, you know, it's just something you have to be um, educated and acknowledged when you get into hunting that you, you're doing it to hunt an animal. So I think deer was definitely more of like a second step for me. Um, mm -hmm. I got my deer first deer this past winter. So I was super stoked about that. But again, this was like after I did pheasant hunting and I got to feel what it's like to actually like kill an animal and um, prepare it and eat it and all of those things. So I was ready for it when I got my, got my buck. <laughs> yeah. And, and what advice do you 
have for, let's say people who may be listening, I have no doubt there are going to be some women or young people listening who want to know, like, how can they get into hunting? Like, what were the tips that worked best for you? You kind of alluded to it, but what would you say? Because I think even in the state of Minnesota, I've seen the increase and I think it's pretty observable that there's an increase in hunting and fishing licenses. I have no doubt a lot of people are curious, but what has worked for you and what advice do you have for those new people, let's say in Minnesota, who are buying these licenses, just trying these uh, activities for the first time? Uh, I think, you know, my number one advice would be find someone who can guide you, you know, whether you want to reach out to someone who belongs to a hunting group, you know, there's a lot of women led groups out there. Um, there's a lot of DNR, you know, like state run resources or even federal resources where they run programs introducing women to the outdoors and kids. So there, I mean, there are a lot of things like that. Um, honestly, you could reach out to someone you follow on Instagram who is an avid hunter. And honestly, I really think everyone who's in the outdoor industry is so gung ho about introducing other people to um, getting into whatever it is they're into. So yeah, don't be afraid to reach out to me or, I mean, I'm not a pro by any means, but I will point you in the right direction and try to get you the resource that you need to get into hunting. Talk about some of the companies and organizations you work with. And then if you have any particular issues you are very involved with, with, with respect to conservation, talk about those too. Yeah. So, I mean, as someone who works on social media pretty regularly. Um, I'm a content creator. I know some people like to call it influencer, which like, I, I don't know why, but that word always makes me really cringe. <laughs> so I just like to say I create content that hopefully inspires people to step outside their comfort zone. So um, some of my favorite organizations are local ones like um, WSI is one that I work with and you do as well. And they just make really comfortable outdoor gear that's super versatile, made in, you know, the USA, which is great. And actually made in Minnesota, which is great for me, supporting my local economy. And then um, other ones are like Duluth Trading Company. They make, again, like clothing for women who work outdoors and live sort of that lifestyle of getting a little bit messy if they need to. Um, and then, gosh, I've worked with so many awesome Columbia PFG is a fishing company, um, from Columbia, which, you know, everyone loves Columbia. I feel like they're, they're like sort of the outdoor brand, um, that's recognized today. So that was like a dream brand for me to work with just to be able to represent them. Um, and then after that, just like tourism companies are so fun because, you know, I help promote areas that people have never heard of, small towns with really cool parks and lakes and cabins and restaurants. And there's just so much to explore out there. So it's been so awesome working with the tourism board around here. Um, other than that, you know, I mean, there's so many, there's so many brands I didn't mention, but like, I, don't, I only work with brands that I totally love and like support their cause. And so it's been just so fun expanding from just writing my blog to actually working with brands and um, even making a little bit of money, you know, and hopefully I can take this full time someday. Um, obviously, like I do it right now because it's my hobby and just a passion that I have. But who knows, you know, one day could be my actual gig. <laughs> um and then after that, like, 
I love supporting the Boundary Waters. So there's organizations like Save the Boundary Waters and Friends of the Boundary Waters um, who work on educating people about the Boundary Waters. I don't know. Have you been to the Boundary Waters before? I haven't, but I hear a lot about it. It's really beautiful, super remote. And uh, that's someplace I would like to see at some point in, in my time. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm kind of familiar with the conservation efforts there. Okay, you have to go. You'll have to come with me sometime. And, you know, some of the girls from WSI. Yeah, I feel like it's just, yeah, it's totally one of those places you have to experience at least once in your life because there's no place in the world like it. It's just like the cleanest water. Um, hopefully it stays that way. And that's some of the efforts that are happening through organizations like Save the Boundary Waters and Friends of the Boundary Waters, working towards um, making sure mining stays away from the water and doesn't impact the cleanliness of it. And at the same time, you know, I acknowledge that, you know, they, they need jobs out there and that's why they want to bring mining into the area. So just trying to educate myself in knowing all sides of the issue, but right. also knowing that like, for me, what's important is protecting the wilderness and this place that's so unique in the world. You drink the water straight out of the lake and you, know, you put little iodine tablets to make sure you don't get dysentery or you know, any like beaver fever or whatever. But it's it's so clean and like the best fishing ever and just beautiful pine trees and lakes for miles and miles I don't know. I just, I want to go there just talking about it now, but those are some of the passion projects and um, organizations that I love. Excellent. That's very good to hear. And there's so many because you hear all across the country, you have the national groups and then you have the state organizations or regional organizations. And I love it when guests like yourself can talk about what's happening in their area and just what different types of groups exist out there. Cause people think like, Oh, there's only like just these few groups and they're good groups, but they don't kind of know what what's out there in different parts of the country. So I appreciate you sharing, uh, well, what's kind of happening and percolating over there. For sure. Yeah. And if, you know, any of those groups that are like friends of the Mississippi, friends of the St. Croix river, like those are all local ones here. I feel like those nonprofits do such a great job of actually taking care of the water physically or the wilderness physically, and then raising the funds to educate people on how to take care of it. And I don't know, there's just so many good things happening. And like, I want to support them all, you know, but it's hard. So it's important to just do a quick Google search or search on Instagram to see what organizations are out there making sure that our wilderness and environment is sustainable and continues to stick around for, you know, my kids and their kids and etc. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a good, I think, balance that can be struck um, when it comes to that. I think you could balance, you know, a little bit of job creation and then also preserve wilderness. And that's kind of always a hard issue <laughs> to strike a balance with. I, I kind of fall more so into that category because I have that concern. But, you know, sometimes I have wiggle room where I'm like, okay, maybe we have to like leave this area off limits um, but I think there is a way that can balance. And I've talked to other guests on my podcast where you can do projects or maybe reroute the projects to a little less vulnerable area, um, all the while still supporting uh, job creation in the regions in more economically depressed areas. But yeah, that, that's something uh, the greater conservation movement is having a discussion about for sure. Oh, yeah. And I think it's like the journalist in us, yeah. too, you know, trying to see both sides of the issue and just understanding that it's... It's not just, you know, a one-sided thing. There are lots of people and lives at stake and you got to think about how it impacts everyone. Amen. Amen. 
What do you, what advice do you have for other women and millennials who are interested in coming to the outdoors? Because I, I think it's increasingly changing and it's always been a welcoming place and it hasn't been perfect, of course. But I think now just because um, there are a lot of efforts just to continue uh, these traditions for generations, a lot of people in the outdoor industry have realized we have to start kind of uh, creating more opportunities for people to access these opportunities to kind of appeal to them through these different marketing mechanisms more. Uh, people can see themselves better in marketing and then want to therefore buy these products. But what advice do you have kind of from a journalistic perspective and marketing angle on how the industry can better attract uh, millennials and women and uh, kind of just sustain itself uh, from there. I, I think they've made a lot of progress. I think you'll probably agree with me uh, on that mm-hmm. respect too, as well. But uh, what yeah. is kind of like a way where people can authentically appeal rather than just claim tokenism or uh, just kind of like be inauthentic and say like, we have to do this, but it doesn't really um, come genuine. Cause there's a lot of different conversations about how you bring in new different demographics or new people or city dwellers or whoever. Um, and I think sometimes it's take uh, the approach taken is not authentic or it seems very like uh, kind of like just kind of just inauthentic and, and just not palatable to, to making people feel welcome sometimes. So what are your thoughts on that? And, and how are you kind of doing that to bring in more women and millennials? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a tricky topic and I know like right now is such a crazy time with all that's happening with you know Black Lives Matter and um, just the political climate and all the things that we see on the news and obviously businesses and organizations are trying to send their message and I know what you mean by like the inauthentic thing like it seems like a PR stunt sometimes Um, but you know it's a step in the right direction. I think, I think it's important to talk about it and address it. And I think, um, you can't criticize them for at least trying, you know? So I think we are in going towards the right direction. Um, obviously the outdoor industry is, is very, very white, uh, very, very male. And, um, it's definitely changing more women. Like you said, fishing licenses and hunting licenses have been a lot of women, um, growing the numbers. And, um, I think it is important to make sure we're allowing other voices to be heard. Um, you know, I am a woman of color. I'm, I'm Korean. I was born in Korea and I came here when I was three with my parents. And, um, it's, it, it does happen where people notice that and they'll, they'll say something. And for me, that's my opportunity to educate them on, you know, how to approach that kind of topic and how to, you know, not make it awkward for me by pointing out something obvious to me, like, Oh, you're, it's really cool to see an Asian woman, you know, fishing, (laughs) you know, that can be just the way you talk to people, you know, just common sense people <laughs> like just be respectful and um and at the same time like I try to be mindful of how I can address that person to make sure they don't make others feel uncomfortable as well um I think yeah the outdoor industry just needs to put more light on other organizations like um there are a lot of 
organizations where they want people of color to hike and camp and experience these things. Um, Melanin Base Camp is one. Start following organizations like that who um, maybe the face of hiking and camping and hunting and fishing isn't necessarily what you normally see on your Instagram feed. Um, I know I purposely started following all sorts of organizations that are different from me so that I just know that there's this population out there who want their voices to be heard um, in the outdoor industry. So just doing little things like that, I think is helpful. Um, I think the market, you know, it's starting to change. So that's good. Um, I feel like brands should feel like, you know, they should work with people who don't look like themselves and um, whether that's someone with, a disability or someone with different experience levels or someone with a different skin tone, whatever it is, um, different background. Don't be afraid to reach out to those types of influencers or people who are into the outdoors to see if they want to work with you in some way and make sure you pay them like you would with normal, you know, other people that they normally work with. Um, yeah, I feel like that would make a big difference. And it's, you know, again, we're going in the right direction. It'll just take a long time before maybe everyone is happy with the current situation. Those are some interesting points. Yeah, for me, I've always found and I try, you know, I I think you can take away the political aspect of it. I just think the best way to elevate people is to let them tell their story, give their platform, give them a platform when you're space, let them tell their story, make them feel welcome, that they're not out of the ordinary or different. And if they're your friends, just convene with them like you would, you know, outside of an interview and just be yourself and let them be themselves. And I think the outdoors people forget like with all the just different things in these new kind of facets coming into conversations across different aspects, including the outdoor industry, people forget that this is one of the few places, the outdoors, especially where you can come together, you can congregate, you can break bread and have fun with everyone, regardless of your geographic region, your racial background, socioeconomic status. And I would hope people try to aspire to have that too sometimes because we can't, I, I'm probably getting a little exhausted with everything being political and I work in politics myself, but I think people forget that that's a, it's a great space where you can come together with people, get away from politics, get away from the discord, and then just make people welcome. And it's just a matter of using your platform to, in, to, to let people share their story and just make it just naturally flow. And and that's one way that I try to do it. Not because like I have to feel guilty or anything, but I do it because I trust these people's story. I want to help them reach more people. I've always been like this, um, naturally elevating different individuals just because I like their message. And I think um, now you can do that even more so. Uh, but it's, it's just a matter of making sure that the outdoors feels welcome. All different views are held. Um, and, and just teach people if they're interested. I don't know. Is that kind of how you feel about things too? Like how we can keep the outdoors totally. kind of friendly yeah. and welcoming and, and just, you know, just go about our normal thing, but just kind of be cognizant that uh, other people can do this too. And we should welcome more people. Agreed. Yeah. You took the words right out of my mouth. I feel like the, the welcoming environment is a big thing and just, you know, not everyone has access to the outdoors. You know, everyone has a different, backstory whether that's um how they grew up like how I didn't grow up with the outdoors 
or socioeconomic status, that sort of thing. So just trying to introduce people to the outdoors in the most accessible way possible. It doesn't have to be the most expensive gear to get you outdoors. It doesn't have to be the most beautiful private cabin with, you know, hundreds of acres of beautiful land to get outdoors. You can do this in the most cheapest way possible. And hopefully, you know, I hope people can be a good resource for other folks who want to get outdoors, introduce them to the public land and how to find it, how to get to those public docks and public um, access points for lakes and um, yeah, figure out how to do it because we all can, it can be free and accessible and you don't need to be um, from a wealthy family or from a background where you grew up with the outdoors to do it. Absolutely. I think the conventional wisdom was that a lot of people were probably too afraid thinking that too many people hunting out of kind of a selfish reason, their spots would be discovered. I'm not sure that's the reason why things were so insulated for such a long time. Um, Mm -hmm. But I also think that uh, you can't have that perception. And I've been a little bit on the receiving end of it. Not, not so much, but like, I've heard people say that and I'm like, Oh, that's kind of, kind of crazy that they were like worried that you're going to take over their hunting spot or their fishing spot. And it's like, um, you're not going to have super crowded spaces. I don't think, um, things it's not going to be like Disneyland ever. I don't think so, but it should be more accessible. And I, I think the different state wildlife agencies are working on that. Government is working on that. Private companies are working on that. And I think this is also something you probably share too, that I think people shouldn't feel intimidated to, let's say, go backpacking in the backcountry or public lands. I also, mm-hmm. living on the coast, I tell people like, if you're nervous and you want to start hunting and you want to feel comfortable, if you're able to find access to private land, sometimes that's even better. I'm an equal mm-hmm. opportunity. I tell people hunt private, hunt public, hunt whatever you're comfortable with and don't feel like you have to hunt one over the other or be pressured into doing that. Um, Cause especially mm-hmm. for intimidating, for intimidating purposes, like that can deter people where they're expected to like hunt one way or fish one way. And I tell people like, you don't have to hunt one particular way or fish one particular way. No, mm-hmm. not how you're comfortable, obviously within the bounds of legal stuff. Um, but, but don't be afraid to hunt in a different style or fish in a different style. Yes, for sure. Yeah, I agree. You feel judged and scared sometimes that you're doing it the wrong way, but there is no wrong way. It's all a learning process and the world is big enough that you don't have to share your ultimate secret fishing spot you know <laughs> you can take your your friend to a, a pretty decent fishing spot it doesn't have to be that one you know there's so much water and lake and wilderness out there to introduce people um and you're going to find a good spot for them it doesn't have to be that that one that you want to keep secret <laughs> that's fun that's funny that you mentioned that because Nick and I talk about that and we're like oh we want to take people fishing into the boundary waters but there's this one lake that we love so much and we can never reveal which one it is (laughs) because we love it so much and like I understand like that feeling that people have but you know just maybe your friend can keep it a secret too (laughs) yeah hopefully they're trustworthy enough and I think that's fine because like I've been taken to secret spots and I have no way to access it myself. So there's no, there's no way that I'll be able to find it on my own. So like if people can guard those secret spaces, that's perfectly fine. Yeah, (laughs) I agree. Just get them outdoors somewhere. (laughs) So Jenny, are there any other final thoughts or parting thoughts you want to add about just conservation, how people can connect with you, any like last minute messages that you want to add? 
Um, I guess one thing I've, I've noticed is like this time of quarantine and pandemic has been such a crazy time and yet silver lining blessing. It's gotten more people outdoors. I've seen so many boats and canoes and things like that outside um, more than usual, more than any summer before, which is awesome. You know, I want people to get out there. So I think it's been so good to see people utilizing the trails and waterways. So yay. But you know, obviously I'd rather not have the pandemic here, but <laughs> that's just something I just wanted to add. There's a silver lining and everything. And that's one that I've noticed. Um, but yeah, you can reach out to me, um, several different ways on Instagram, girl of 10,000 lakes, one, zero, 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 zero. People always ask if we should spell it out or if it's the numeric. So that, and then, um, don't, don't be afraid to DM me if you have questions, um, or email me at girl of 10,000 lakes at gmail.com, uh, girl 10,000 lakes.com for the blog. And I'm on Facebook as well. Again, girl of 10,000 lakes. So you should be able to find me in one way or another and on Twitter as well and Pinterest, all of the things I try to do all the things and lately TikTok too. (laughs) Have you tried Instagram reels yet? I have tried it. Yeah. It's definitely a learning curve and I'll have to experiment with with it a little bit more, but I I see people getting really into it. So it makes me want to try it out some more. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little skeptical of TikTok just because of the national security reasons behind it. So I feel a little more comfortable, you know, using a a platform I have a presence on to do it. And so far using it, like just doing regular stuff, nothing like out of the ordinary, just doing like little vlogs in 15 seconds or less. I've gotten like over 2000 views and I'm like, am I getting more views than I would like posting a regular video? This is kind of cool, like reaching new people. So it's Mm -hmm. something I recommend people to try at least. (laughs) For sure. I feel like anytime something new comes out, you might as well try it, especially If it's on Instagram, it'll probably stick around for a while. So break into it while while it's not popular yet. (laughs) And I think actually you have a better shot of getting discovered in the explore section now with Instagram Reels. So that's what I tell people. Like give it a shot because you could have your content discovered more. Yeah, might as well try. Yeah, I feel like um, there's so much content that I want to share about um, different places I've been. Right now I'm at the cabin. And I'll be here for almost a whole month. So it's like content paradise here. Just it's beautiful. And um, telecommuting from here will be an interesting experience. And I want to blog about that. And hopefully I can make some reels (laughs) while I'm out here. Absolutely. Jenny, this has been such a wonderful conversation. I'm so glad you shared your thoughts with me. Uh, from the basics to kind of how we can maximize outreach efforts. It has been really lovely to chat with you. And I hope at some point, maybe if WSI Sports does a in-person gathering at some point, we can connect. Or if my client in Georgia is able to host his event sometime soon, I can bring you down to to target some steelhead trout. That sounds amazing. Yes. Thank you for having me on, Gabrielle. It was so fun to talk to you. And I feel like we should continue this conversation in person sometime. Absolutely. I look forward to it. Thank you again. Okay. Talk to you later. Awesome. Have a great time. Thanks. Let me know what you think of our interview with Jenny Anderson of Girl of 10,000 Lakes. Would you like to see more guests like this? Do you have a suggestion on someone I should bring on the podcast? Let me know. I would love to hear your thoughts. Remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our main hub is anchor.fm 
And that way you can find where we're broadcasting. We're on Spotify, Chartable, Apple, Google Play, and many, many others. So remember to find us, download past episodes, download this current episode, leave reviews if you feel inclined, and share the good word of the podcast. I will be taking next week off to enjoy a little bit of vacation, and I think I may do the same for Labor Day itself because everyone's going to be on holiday. But I think I'll put out a special Tuesday episode on September 8th, and that'll be our entry into Season 3, and I'll kind of discuss more goals and hopefully some public policy updates for you guys then on September the 8th. So with this hiatus, make sure you guys use this time if you aren't going to be busy to catch up on past episodes, to leave your feedback, to follow us on social media and engage with me as I try to hopefully catch a bull red drum. I'm going to be spending hopefully a day or so targeting that species in the lower Chesapeake Bay and I hope you guys will enjoy your Labor Day celebration as well. Thank you again for listening to the podcast. I will see you guys on the flip side in season three. Thank you for listening. Much appreciated. Bye, everyone.